Love me cancerously Like the salt sore soaked in the sea High maintenance means you're a gluttonous queen Narcissistic and mean podcast i'm your host with the most your fantasy forecaster your all-knowing all-powerful and all-seeing jason seplick the ff goonie himself you can find me on twitter as always at the ff goonie welcome to episode 12 you're awful and i love you the show where we're going to take a look at the not-so-healthy options and maybe try to cut them out of our fantasy diet. Kind of consider this episode your uh, football Nutri-Slim, or Jenny Craig, if you will. We're going we're gonna to cut a little bit of the fat, kind of look at what uh, we did wrong in the draft and the valuation, and see if it's time to maybe cut bait and get out while we're... Uh, Still have a chance this season. Uh, as always, we're going to also take a look at the Week 6 review and matchup previews for Week 7. But before we head into that, let's hit you up with the Week in News. Week in News. 
NFL news at the running back position most recently. Last night in the barn burner of the Broncos-Cardinals game, running back Royce Freeman sprained his ankle, and this could cost him a couple of uh, games potentially, but they have the long week right now, so we don't know for sure. If it did, though, that's going to turn... Mr. Philip Lindsay into a every week starter guaranteed and a high end RB2. Speaking of high end RB2s, coach Mike McCoy, offensive coordinator, the Cardinals has been fired. Hallelujah! This opens up the door for David Johnson and potentially maybe a return to grace for Larry Fitzgerald himself. We're going to get into that a little later. Uh, also at the running back position, Giovanni Bernard is out another week. This is going to give a heavy, heavy workload to Joe Mixon with no one but Mark Waltenberg and his mother there to steal any kind of touches, although that's not likely. Now if ESPN could just get off their butt and actually, you know, I don't know, put him out so I can use him in the IR spot and still make some moves, come on, man. Over at the wide receiver position, Ted Ginn Jr. has ended up on injured reserve, thus opening the number two wide receiver position either to Cameron Meredith or Traquan Smith. We'll see which one kind of shakes out as that solid number two option over in New Orleans and staying with the NFC South and your favorite dirty birds for most of my listeners. Uh, both Mohamed Sanu and Calvin Ridley did not practice Thursday, and it seems unlikely that maybe Sanu and Ridley don't play. If that's the case, this is going to open up the door for Austin Hooper to go full NBA jam on us. In uh, other running back news, TJ Yeldon, he's back at practice, so feel free to fire him up, thus squashing any chance of Jamal, Ch Jamal Charles having any fantasy value this season. A player that did not practice, though, after an earlier report saying he did, was Dalvin Cook. Uh, this is opening the door for Latavius Murray to expand after his first or his career high game last week. Uh, but one running back that was expected to maybe miss, and now he is a full participant at practice, and it looks like he's going to be a full go, is Carrion Johnson. So anyone that had picked up LeGarrette Blunt and maybe a terrible uh, bi-week apocalypse is not getting a chance to play him. Over in the NFC East, we got a uh, couple of injuries uh, with uh, the receiving core in Washington. Paul Richardson is missing practice. Uh, pretty much the whole, and Crowder's been put on IR thus opening the door for Josh Doxson to continue to be irrelevant and Jordan Reed to continue to disappoint. I think this is going to mean heavy usage on the run game for Chris Thompson and probably Vernon Davis, believe it or not, will continue to outscore. Uh, over on, or sorry, outscore Jordan Reed. Over on another wide receiver, T.Y. Hilton is back at practice and expected to play this week. We don't know how close to 100% he is, probably not all the way. And that is going to be a big, tough call considering the matchup he has in Buffalo. Over on the Jets, we have uh, Robbie Anderson back at practice. Uh, that's good news for Jets and anyone relying on Sam Darnold. As it looks like Terrell Pryor and Quincy Nunwa are both out, thus leaving just Robbie Anderson and, um, sorry, uh, Jermaine Curse. There's also a chance that uh, that young uh, tight end, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head, who had one decent game will actually uh, be usable again. Speaking of unusable players, Devonta Freeman has been sent to the IR, thus ending his fantasy season for me and anyone else that put some stock in him. Perhaps over Joe Mixon. Stupid! Anyways, uh, he can return this year, but it won't be till at least week 16. Thus, we don't really care. 
Uh, over on the Rams, we have uh, Cooper Cup's been ruled out, opening the door for Josh Reynolds, who I wouldn't put much, put much stock in. Uh, the only ones I see benefiting are obviously the current high-end wide receivers there of Cooks and Woods are going to get a little uptick in usage. And, of course, Todd Gurley is going to eat, and eat he will. Moving on to our league and news, the only uh, trades occurred in the Dynasty League since we last talked. Uh, Fear the Juice sent over Javoris Allen to the 55s in exchange for Chad Kelly, thus getting a potential starter in the next year or two at quarterback and giving up what is literally a trash bag of a running back. And Javoris Allen, I guess the 55s kind of wish they didn't have so many quarterbacks and maybe one or two usable running backs, even on a bye week. Come on, man. And then the second one is I'm getting a chub, sending Julian Edelman over to the Americans for Adrian Peterson. Now, this was just a move to get another running back to I'm getting a chub as he retraded for Dalvin Cook and can't really trust either of them. And Aaron Jones slash Jamal Williams on bye. Mar Miller's crap. Uh, Ronald Jones is crap. So this was strictly to stay somewhat competitive this week with a second running back. And with that concludes the week in news. get into the week six review little hands says it's time to rock and roll bring the noise first up in the atlanta foot clan keeper league we had a matchup between turn your head and coughlin and the megalodons and the megalodons megalospink the crap out of turn your head and coughlin as they rolled with the browns defense getting them a harsh zero and then the uh, the big upset of the week, Alfred Morris rocking a 0-2. But honestly, outside of Devontae Adams and Kirk Cousins, no chance with no other players putting up double digits. As the Megalodons had Andy Dalton, Kareem Hunt, Julio Jones, Allen Robinson, the Texans D, and Vinatieri all double digits. And there was no chance as Kamara was on a bye. Devonta Freeman was on IR, and everyone else sucked as well. So, good win for the Megalodons. At the next at the next matchup, we had Brown and some scrubs versus the Great One. This one was slightly cold, closer, but not really by a long shot. At a score of 120.6 to 98.2, Brown and some scrubs came out on top. Big disappointments were the fact that the Great One actually put some faith into John Ross uh, as he could have gotten another player off the waivers throwing Leonard Fournette in his IR, but that just didn't seem to happen. And with Jordy Nelson only getting 1.6 points, even with a big play out of Robert Woods, Zeke, Mixon and Brady all getting double digits along with the Vikings D. They were no match for Matt Ryan and Tyreek Hill putting together almost 70 or sorry, 80 points by no. Yeah, almost 70 points by themselves. Sorry, my math was off there for a second. And honestly, there was no chance as the only other play that he could have done was putting a 5-point performance from Kittle in that flex spot. So Big win for Brown and some scrubs, moving up to uh, five and one and extending their just stranglehold on their division. Next up, we had Carpe Victoria and Scranton Stranglers. Now, this one was actually a nail biter of a game, and it really came down to a couple surprise plays. The fact that Russell Wilson disappointed compared to uh, 
Big Ben and would have gotten the win is a rough one. I know Russell Wilson had the better matchup, but it is hard to trust him lately. But he did outscore Big Ben by 3.8 points. Uh, outside of that, the only other thing was maybe streaming a different defense than the Titans. Uh, this was just narrowly won, and honestly, across the board, Carpe Victoria's team actually performed better, but you had the big, big show up from Aaron Rodgers dropping over 30 points, David Johnson getting into double digits, and Tyler Boyd putting up 21.7 points. This one was just a nail-biter to the end, and Scranton Stranglers came out on top. First time in a while, moving to 3-3. Three and three. Next up, we had Hot Noonan Butchers versus Mike Popeye Sailorman. And this one was also not even close with a over 32-point discrepancy between the two teams. Even though Carson Wentz put in a good performance as, long, as well as... The top three receivers of Hopkins, Edelman, and Schuster. Uh, a little more could have been done with Crabtree, but not enough to really make it matter. And Duke Johnson outscored Wendell Smallwood by a little bit. Otherwise, there was really no chance. As even though Baker Mayfield did poorly with 14 points, he was outscored by 22-6 of Sony Michelle, 35-5 of Todd Gurley, 23-8 of Adam Thielen. What a combo with those three. And Trey Burton finding the end zone again, even though he is just not playing well. Popeye Sailorman is looking like a very strong contender this year. Up next, we had the SC Honkers versus Frenchman himself in a high-scoring affair with a final of 144.9 to 121.1. The SC Honkers beat the Europeans but and this was on the back of a huge performance by Melvin Gordon with 34 points and getting massive contributions out of Alshon Jeffrey, OJ Howard and Emmanuel Sanders on top of a big Cam Newton performance and although Frenchie had Pat Mahomes dropping 35 points it just wasn't enough with him and James Conner at 26-9 as Carlos Hyde disappointed with 3.4, and Jordan Howard continues to disappoint with another less than five performance. And then finally, we had yours truly's matchup against Finkel's Einhorn. That's right, Macho Man Fred Savage came in hot and hard. And although there were a couple things that Finkel's Einhorn could do, you're not really going to do it when you don't predict Cooper Cup is going to get injured. And who would you play ahead of him? Latavius Murray for an extra 21 points? That's ludicrous, but it could have been done. And with Alex Collins at 17-4, outscoring TJ Yeldon, this would have been closer, but not quite enough. As I just dominated with two 30-plus point performances out of Winston and Barkley. I didn't even need anything good out of Landry, Aaron Jones, or a mediocre game out of Deshaun Jackson was it at 10.4. Everyone else came to play. Ebron with 15, Sanu with 11.6 and limited work. The Ravens defense, a kicker that's not even in the league anymore, scoring 11 points. This was insanity and too much for Andrew Luck-led fantasy team to handle as my powerhouse team is finally coming into form now that I got Ingram back and this was without my second probably my best receiver in T.Y. Hilton so you guys better be shaking in your boots on this because I am coming for the league and I am coming hard moving on to the dynasty league in week six we had our first matchup of this means war Versus the 55s, and dear God, if Brian didn't try his darndest to score only 55 points. Coming in with 60.6 to, this means war, 122.8. This was over double the domination, double your pleasure. And the saddest part is, 
he did it with some decent players on the bench, leaving Carson Wentz and a total of 17 extra points on there over Goff. And then you had Aguilar, who got double digits. Duke Johnson, that got double digits. Peyton Barber almost scoring 20 points. It still wouldn't have mattered, but at least give yourself a little bit of respect. Respect like Aaron Rodgers coming in with 28. Alex Smith having an eh game at 15. But Gurley coming in with 35.5. Just dominating again. And Ezekiel Elliott. I can't believe I'm still having to say this. What the hell is a guy doing with Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott on the same friggin' team? And that's not to mention he could have played some even stronger plays at the receiver position and gotten double digits out of Allen Robinson, Doug Baldwin. I mean, man, this could have been even more savage of a beating, and 55 should just feel sad and pathetic. Sorry, Brian, but... You got to really look on the inside here, buddy. Next up, we had I'm Getting a Chub coming in hard, hard. This just was not a week for for Axel with the French cheeses scoring only 105.4 to the 153.5 total. And the craziest part about it is this with a less than 5-point running back, a less than 10-point top receiver, and negative points on a defense. But my goodness, when Mitch Trubisky gets you 27, Jameis gets you 30, Latavius gets you 22, Tyreek 35, Jimmy Graham 12, Julian Edelman 14. Oh my God, there are so many fantasy points here. It's insane. And it could have been even better as Robert Woods, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard were all on the bench outscoring other people at the position. This could have just been the most savage of beatings of all time. Aside from, you know, the 55s just getting destroyed. Uh, and it was, I mean, it was a tough, tough week. But after trading away the best parts of certain offenses and just buying what crap he could, I mean, you get less than five from Jordan Howard, less than six from Bilal Powell. Kyle Rudolph, who you wouldn't sell, got less than six points. I mean, it was just awful. And that's just wasting the potential of a Hopkins-Allen-Schuster trio of receivers. I mean, and Cam Newton. Like, this shouldn't happen, but it has, and it's just awful. You should feel terrible about yourself. But not as terrible as Jonesen for some TDs in the next matchup. We had Feared the Juice and Jonesen for some TDs. Jonesen looking for like that just comeback after going 4-0 in the league. But they dropped the ball again. And close one at that. At 130.2 to 124.3. What a rough one because he played well. And the Aniston scoring came through for him. But my goodness, this was a rough day. And it wasn't like the quarterbacks dominated you. You went up against Andy Dalton, Case Keenum, and not to mention Deion Lewis, Wolf Fuller. What happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Michael Crabtree actually played a game and almost got 20 points. Antonio Brown showed up for the second time, finally, man, getting some consistency. And Sony Michelle went off with 22, but the big story was that Ravens D having a dominating shutout performance, getting you 19 points. But man, if only you just, I don't know, instead of playing the Jaguars, because of course, why wouldn't you play the Jaguars against Dallas, getting you negative one, maybe you just don't play any defense. I mean, you couldn't play the Patriots because they got negative two. It would have been even worse. But, man, you came through on the quarterbacks. Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, both over 20 points. James White had a double digit. Julio came in with 19. Sanders with 21. I mean, man, you should have won this. But you rolled with TJ Yeldon. You rolled with Jordy Nelson. And it bit you, man. And who would have thought that not playing Austin Hooper contributed to losing i mean man zach Ertz got outscored by austin hooper and then leaving the Beasles on your bench dropping 20 to 6 6 man that is rough and i mean rough
But, I mean, what what are you going to do? You got Kenyon Drake on a trade, but against Chicago, Terrell Pryor, Mike Davis. I mean, like, Alex Collins is probably the only one you probably could have played over Jordy Nelson. And I actually would have. I, I'm not liking playing against the Seattle defense lately. And we'll get to more about that in a second. But, man, I hope you turn it around, Mr. Greenwood, because Mike Saylor wasn't going to let you do that. And next up, we had No Country for Old Players versus the Americans. And Chris continues winning, and now on a two-game winning streak, putting up 122 to the Americans, 117-7, and another nail-biter, man. And this one was another tail of the tape that, like, just one pivot play, one thing that would have been different, but you couldn't have really thought to do that is what cost you the game, Justin. I mean, Pat Mahomes, 27. Sam Darnold, again, putting up high double-digit numbers at 18 compared to what he should have. And then Kareem Hunt having the huge game. That was the big factor after having to deal with Saquon Barkley putting up 33 points at the beginning of the week, man. And Tyler Boyd, but the big letdown was Blake Bortles only getting you 10 against Dallas. Jarvis Landry only getting 2.1. That's insane. And John Brown was a huge disappointment at 3-8. But who would have guessed that you should have played Shady McCoy against Houston? Or potentially, I don't know, Devin Funches at Washington. I mean, David Moore at Oakland. Any of these would have done it for you. And the problem is, I can't I can't recommend any of those plays prior. So this is a rough loss, man. And it looked like you were finally starting to turn it around, but you went back to your losing ways. Uh, you need to make your fantasy team great again. Someone that uh, is a great team, but my goodness, just got destroyed going up against Team Gravelin having a huge week was my team. Bill Belichick puppet master, man. What what more can I say than I can't believe that playing Dak Prescott against Jacksonville and benching Deshaun Watson against Buffalo was the play. Is that what it got me an extra 24 points and put me within an 8 to 9 point strike? And then dear God, did I pick the wrong defense as Texans dominated Buffalo. With that last-minute change, man, that was rough for me. But the tail of the tape was I, I didn't realize it when I made the moves, but getting Big Ben was huge for my team, especially with, uh, with Ryan Tannehill being out with surprise injury that no one knew about, myself included. But... Uh, I, I put myself in bi-week limbo for this week with Kenyon Drake, so going away, and now Amari Cooper's hurt and on bye. I'm starting to feel it a little bit, guys, but kudos to Gravelin. Had some big performances. Andrew Luck proving that you don't have to play well to do well in fantasy. Melvin Gordon showing you why he's a top three running back. And then the big one was, man, Devontae Adams... Had to just stomp on me after I've continually said I don't think he's that great of a receiver and it's more Aaron Rodgers. But my goodness, he had a big game after it looked like he wasn't going to do that well. So congratulations, Gary. Strong win. Sending me down to, I believe, 6th or 7th in the standings of the Aniston League. And putting my powerhouse, once powerhouse team to a 2-4. Oh man, it's just it's getting hard to swallow some of these uh, some of these losses, but I'll persevere. Persevere. I'll make some adjustments, and hopefully after this week, I can really start to turn it around after I get through this uh, rough bye week. So with that, that was the week six review, and now we're gonna get into the uh, not so healthy fantasy decisions of the year up to date. My mind's telling me no, but my body, my body's telling me yes. That's right. These are the ones where our minds 
told us no, but our our bodies, our hearts told us we had to make these moves. These were the strong moves, and my goodness, did they not pay off for us. So we're going to start off with the quarterback uh, position, and uh, the two that really stick out to me are a couple of uh, mobile quarterbacks that just everything about it said maybe we should pump the brakes a little bit in Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Oh my gosh, and I fell victim to this. Luckily, it's in the Dynasty League, and he has a chance to really turn it around. But anyone that invested highly in Deshaun Watson, especially in a keeper redraft league, oh my goodness, it is rough. Rough, man. As he has just been awful, that offensive line has been awful, their play calling has been uninspired, and he's tried to do everything he can, but man, he's just making some bad decisions. And it hasn't all been bad. He's had some nice 20, 20, 20 to 30 point performances in the middle, but what scares you is the bookends of New England 11 point in our uh, 11 point in standard scoring, Buffalo 5.3, and now he's got Jacksonville next. Miami's a little tough. Denver before the bye. Washington, like, these aren't teams I'm feeling great about. And then you have to find Philly in the championship game. Oh, man, we should have probably seen this coming, but we didn't. And another one we should have seen coming is Russell Wilson. Oh, this has been rough. Other than two 20 point games, everything's been in the teens or lower. And it's not all been tough matchups. Arizona is not a defense that scares me. Uh, Dallas has been pretty decent against the run, but no. This is another case of not good play calling that we should have seen coming with Morningwood. And a terrible offensive line and terrible GM decisions where they took, instead of taking a lineman, they took a running back and... I don't see how that helps. And then they lose weapons on top of that. So if they don't improve, why did we think that Russell Wilson would still be a thing? I know he's been fantastic, but my goodness, you can only take so much from these guys before it just, like, it's too much. Uh, some honorable mentions, Matt Stafford, safety net, Matt Stafford, going to be top, t- like, fringe top 10. He's been a little rough. Now his bye week has... Uh, Kind of hurt things a little bit, but man, that opening performance against the Jets, New England only putting 17-5 in a positive game, and then the big one was Green Bay only getting 15 points and only throwing for 183 yards in a game that should have been more of a shootout. I mean, when you only get 15 points and you have zero turnovers, that's kind of rough, especially for someone like Stafford, who doesn't have an established run game still, because Patricia and Bob Cooter and all the crap that's been going on there and the three weapons he has in the passing game he should be much higher up than he is i think right now after the buy of course kind of contributing he's ranked 21 and in average points per game he's something closer to about like 17 16 i mean it's not great um another not great one and I know it's been turning up, so maybe it, or it's been getting better, but is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's always top three, and he's fantastic, but he is hobbled. It is not looking great. His receivers are injured, and although he's had a couple of 28-point games, man, that's that was right after three sub 20 point games and that's something you do not expect out of Aaron Rodgers and a lot of it was based on the fact that the last two games have been 400 plus yards I mean like he's more of an efficiency quarterback I know he always puts up at least 4,000 yards around the 4,300 range but he's always got higher touchdown totals and he's more efficient with his passes and it's just not seeming to work uh, moving over to the running back position. There are some rough ones here, guys. Uh, the first off, we're going to kind of disqualify. There are some players that have just been dealing with injury, like uh, Joe Mixon and a couple others, uh, Leonard Fournette. That Those are obviously not great, although Mixon's back, and that's going to be fine. 
But let's focus on some really bad decisions we've had so far. Uh, rookie running back Royce Freeman, man. He is just getting outshined by, what, a way later draft for undrafted or six-round pick. Also a rookie. And, I mean, it's kind of what we should have expected a little bit. That offense was not great last season. Uh, the defense is not what it was. And Case Keenum wasn't going to be the answer. So I don't know why we expected to have this, like, equally good to C.J. Anderson, just healthier and maybe a little more trusted running back. Uh, that was kind of a big miss on uh, quite a few of our parts. Uh, other than that, another one is my my guy that I just knocked hard on, Axel, and like he just wouldn't believe me, but Jordan Howard, what is going on, man? I didn't think it was going to be this bad and this soon before he got phased out, but my goodness... It is happening already, and it is rough. And although there are probably some better fantasy days ahead because Trey Cohn can't get a huge workload continue, it's not looking great for him. Uh, another running back that's not looking great for, and we just can't really understand, and it's the coaching, man, is Kenyon Drake. There's another guy that was a like late or early RB2 late RB1 kind of fringe guy that we thought some big things happened, super talented. All they did was bring in Frank Gore, and he was talked up to twenty, the tune of 20-plus touches a week. And he has just been completely, completely ignored. And it makes absolutely no sense, which is the craziest part about it. I mean, Frank Gore's running great, but he's so one-dimensional. And, I mean, there's no excuse for only giving Kenyon Drake... Five, three, six carries for a stretch of three games. It's just insane. And then, I mean, he's pretty much become a passing down back, although he is more of a versatile workhorse. Uh, speaking of versatile workhorses, someone that hasn't really been getting the volume and it's been more the team has been not playing well, so he's been suffering, is Shady McCoy. This is another one. We thought, oh, man, he'll be like a mid-to-high RB2 because of the volume, and the volume up until the last two weeks has just not been there, man. Seven, nine, then he was injured, and then five carries, like, and he's running well. I mean, outside of one, two, two games that he was a little sub four, uh, four yards per carry, he's been over four yards a carry with that one-dimensional offense where they're playing straight, strictly to stop Shady. And then the worst part is he just has not been getting any sizable amount of targets. I mean, his catches haven't been over five once this year, and he's been gone missing for, like, huge chunks of games. It's insane. I don't understand what the coaching staff is thinking. Uh, I understand he's old, but, like, you're, you're not playing to compete. I don't understand what you're doing. Um, and then the other one I don't understand what they're doing is the Green Bay running backs. I mean, clearly Aaron Jones the better running back, but we all kind of picked Jamal Williams to have a good shot at taking step. And man, he disappointed, and we should have seen that coming because he was disappointing last year. And I understand he didn't play with Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, come on, man, he he was awful last year's running back. He just he made his hay at catching the ball on screen passes and we thought maybe he'd be good so that's a rough one um and then a couple others derrick henry oh my god if you didn't see that coming oh you invested a what third fourth round pick in a guy and he has been getting double digit carries in all but two games and he hasn't cracked 50 or 60 yards it's and it's not like he's been playing some all-world beaters. Houston, Miami were his first two games. Buffalo's not the greatest run defense. Uh, it's just been it's been sad, honestly. And then another sad one, just because the injury bug is Dalvin Cook. But uh, the final one I want to talk about is Rashad Penny. Uh, everyone thought this is another Russell Wilson. Like, what were you thinking, kind of thing? The, the line sucked. Morning wigs and awful. Uh, running back coach or offensive coordinator and uh, obviously Carroll just doesn't believe in the kid and he's not getting any 
work, and that's rough. And then, uh, oh, I can't believe I almost forgot. Our first round darling, David Johnson. But thankfully, like we talked about before, uh, that ship might turn around because McCoy is just the worst human being and the worst uh, offensive coordinator on the face of the earth right now. So hopefully David Johnson turns it around. But I know yours truly here in a 16-team league with limited draft picks because of last year's trading things off. I took the shot on David Johnson over Gurley for the upside because I really needed to swing for the fences, and my goodness, I am regretting that. And before you say anything, it was because it was full PPR, but I already feel terrible. I'm an idiot, and I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, Moving over to the wide receiver position, some notable uh, guys that have been disappointing us to this point. Uh, the first one for me is Stefan Diggs. Now, Stefan's been pretty decent, and this is actually pretty par for the course, but I thought this was his breakout year, and we picked the wrong receiver. Uh, this is Thielen's breakout year by a long shot. Although against Green Bay, he went off. Um, other than that game, it's all been decent, good, or bad. Against Arizona, 5.7. Against Buffalo, 3.7. And those are some tough cornerback matchups, but uh, this is more the fact that we were taking digs ahead of Thielen because we thought the the workload wouldn't be there for Thielen like it would be for Diggs, especially with the preseason, the way it was shaping up between him and Cousins. So that was a rough one to uh, see. Another rough one is a fringe first-round receiver in Odell Beckham Jr., potentially one of the three best receivers in the league. I don't think anyone doubts that, but not much you can do with Eli Manning as your quarterback and a weak offensive line on top of that. Uh, he is sitting down at like 15 overall, but with the bye, that's with the bye weeks and he hadn't experienced it. He's closer to like 20, 22 on the average. And that is just not what you spent the capital on him for. Uh, another receiver we didn't spend capital on for what he is giving us is Keenan Allen, especially in a PPR of any kind. He's uh, he's had two, three good games of seven or more catches and one six in the mid-range and then a couple low ones of three and four. I mean, the yards aren't there for him this year. He's only had one over 100 and one even close to that with 90 after that one. And he's only got one touchdown. This has turned into more a a run team than anything and a short passing team. And I I, I don't want to say short passing because that kind of fits him. Uh, it's more a dump-off passing team, and it's just it's not working out for him. And we didn't really draft him in the mid-second round range to get 11.7 and a half PPR. That's just that's an ugly, ugly man. Uh, another ugly one is uh, someone that I was super happy to get in the uh, Keeper League at the end of the first round, thinking, man, this is going to be it, Jarvis Landry. And then it got even better because Baker Mayfield got in there at quarterback, and it's been completely disappointing. The man is not catching double-digit catch, uh, catches in any of his games. Uh, although he's hit over 100 yards twice, I mean, one touchdown, and he's had... Two for 11, and that was on, what, 11 targets against the Chargers? This has just been disappointing. Luckily, there is a chance for it to rebound as he has Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Casey, and Atlanta all coming up before his bye. Maybe him and Baker can get on the same page and do something with it. Uh, Another guy that I was forced into keeping and uh, was a little bit disappointing because the emergence of a uh, second-year receiver is Marvin Jones. I had uh, semi-high expectations for Marvin as uh, Kenny Galladay kind of benefited from him in Golden Tate's route running last year, opening things up for him, and he was still pretty unrefined in some ways. But man, the, the, the script has flipped, and Marvin Jones is now third fiddle in that offense that's honestly not playing as good as it should be, and that is just rough rough sledding for anyone that kind of believed in him Uh, a couple other people that we should have maybe not 
believed in and part of it's injury but part of it is just the efficiency couldn't keep it there man and he kind of teased us when he got back this year was will fuller uh he he had back-to-back 100 yard touchdown games but he was doing it with a little more volume and now that the volume has gone down with the emergence of kiki kuti uh the struggling offensive line is a big contributing factor we should have seen coming uh, his last couple games have been two catches for 15 and 33 yards, and this is kind of what we can more expect from a receiver that makes his hay on extended plays when the plays aren't extending, and we should have seen this coming. Uh, something else we maybe could have seen coming, and this is a big one that hurts, I think, a lot of our hearts, is Larry Fitzgerald sitting down at receiver number 74. Oh, man, this is rough, but... I mean, this is a combination of McCoy, bad quarterback play, and aging. And I don't know why we expected a offense to do anything after it picked up an offensive coordinator that got fired midseason last year as a coach. But I mean, here we are, and we're saying like, "Oh, look what! Look at our smart moves!" And ugh, bit us in the butt. And I know because I I invested heavily in him in two other leagues. Uh, and then another one that I think we kind of, this one is, as to this point, it's not been good because of what you invested, but there still is hope, is Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon is, he's on the rise. He, he I mean, he went to the Patriots. No one saw that coming. But the fact that we invested like a fourth round pick in Josh Gordon was just crazy bananas. The dude was having problems in a trading camp with hard knocks and being around everything and clearly it's a mental issue for him as far as getting his head in the game and wrapping his head around what he needs to do and staying out of trouble and man it's not been pretty uh but with that being said he now has tom brady's quarterback and if he grasps that offense fully he's going to be highly utilized so he's a good hold tight candidate uh over at the tight end position where we're gonna finish it up uh the big ones are Ertz and kelsey are proved me wrong this year man i i thought one of them at least would kind of fall by the wayside but it's a little delayed but uh the first big one is rob gronkowski uh, he's been a little banged up, and the, we just, I don't know what's going on here. This is the first one. I can't say that we, we should have known this was coming, because Gronk is great, but my goodness, man. After his first game was strong, it's just been nothing but, ugh. It's finally starting to pick up a little bit, and I think the emergence of Josh Gordon uh, will help open things up. But I think we could have seen this coming a little bit as he's a quality blocking tight end. They drafted a first-round rookie running back. They had strong three running backs. And on top of that, without Edelman there to kind of take focus away, they were always going to just focus on Gronk in the pass game. So I think maybe we could have predicted a little bit. Um, Other than that, the other tight ends we kind of been missing on is... Trey Burton, uh, we we thought he was going to be a target monster. All uh, Allen Robinson and the Jaguars status. I mean, but the fact is, he hasn't had more than four catches in a game, and they've all been not great gains, other than uh, that one Tampa Bay game. Uh, the best other than that was four for fifty-five. I mean, he's been touchdown dependent, and it's like I've been saying all season is I don't know why everyone expected the Bears to just automatically be amazing because the Sean McVay uh, narrative so I mean that's kind of on everyone for falling for that fool's gold Uh, some other fool's gold we kind of fell for was uh, a little bit on the cheaper end Uh, Jimmy Graham mid-level I mean he's doing some decent things and with all the injuries it's actually opened up for him but I mean, anyone that expected him to be anything other than a touchdown-dependent tight end, other than the last two weeks, uh, that's pretty much been the case. He's got one touchdown on the year, though, and with that, he had a 2-for-8 game, a 5-for-45, a 3-for-21. He's had a couple big games, but it's been on the necessity of 
what defensive coverages have been rolling to and the injuries to the receivers and being a little more trustable than three rookie options. So that one and then the other big one, and it hurts my heart to say, is uh, Jordan Reed. We finally bought in because his price was finally great, but I mean, what do you expect from a quarterback change? Uh, the fact that they brought in more big play guys with uh, Paul Richardson who could stretch field. And although Jordan Reed's been rule 86, his deal has not been a big hulking uh, prototypical tight end. It's been a move tight end and a move in the sense of like hitting long routes on the seam and things like that. And having a uh, play stretcher like like Richardson on the outside and then having Crowder work predominantly from the slot. Uh, and then the fact that Alex Smith has history with Vernon Davis. I mean, I don't see how we didn't expect anything other than Jordan Reed being mediocre to okay at best with some potential for decent games here and there. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. guys uh life got a little bit in the way we had a little bit of uh technical difficulties and unfortunately the episode could not be finished on time so i'm going to be uh posting this uh up now and it's just a review of week six and then that a uh, little bit and uh just stick with it and uh up next we'll have or on next episode we'll have week seven review and the week eight preview Thanks for stopping by, and remember, as always, Goonies never say die. That's all, folks.